Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, the Timberwolves acquired an additional second round pick, getting all the way up to number 33 and selecting Leonard Miller. I'll break down why I love his game. And uh, he reminds me in a very good way of a recent Timberwolves fan favorite and impactful player on the team just a couple of years ago. Plus, I want to talk about who the Wolves got at 53, my favorite selection, who I was hoping they would get at 53, Jalen Clark out of UCLA. We'll break down both picks and the trade the Wolves made on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LockdownNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. And uh, happy day after the NBA draft. Hopefully you had a fantastic time watching the draft Thursday. That's all we're talking about today. The Wolves made two second-round selections. Really pumped to talk about both of these players, the two newest members of your Minnesota Timberwolves. First of all, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find this one. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app, on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. This show, along with all the other Minnesota Lockdown podcasts, can be watched there. Again, download that, the uh, Lockdown Sports Minnesota app at either Roku or Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, the Wolves came into the draft on Thursday night with no first-round picks and only number 53 in the second round, uh, the 53rd pick overall, I should say, the, the, what, 23rd pick in the second round. And I predicted the Wolves wouldn't make any additional moves. We knew Tim Connolly was on the record as saying they were trying to get a pick late first, early second round, essentially either move up or, or add an additional pick. And the Wolves didn't have very many tradable assets on their roster. We saw there was a trade towards the end of the first round that was uh, was it Memphis or somebody moved up and, you know, traded like pick 31 plus a future pick just to get up to 25. Um, it seemed like the price was relatively steep and then the Wolves struck not in the first round, but early in the second round. So of course now they don't have to, they don't have the guaranteed contract, the salary slot that, that comes with a first round pick and they traded to get to pick number 33. So I want to start there on the show here today, and then we'll get into the actual players themselves. Um, Leonard Miller, who we'll talk about first, and then also Jalen Clark, who the Wolves got at number 53. So the trade for the number 33 pick, the Timberwolves gave up one of the Utah Jazz second-round picks they acquired in the D'Angelo Russell-Mike Conley trade at this last February's trade deadline. So the 2026 Utah Jazz second-rounder, goes out and the Wolves 2028 second rounder. So their own 2028 second round pick goes out in the deal. And I was with, uh, with San Antonio. So in terms of like sheer, like if you're looking at like a value chart, I mean, it's it's obviously impossible to know for sure, right? Because we don't know where those picks are going to land. Now, on the one hand, giving up two second rounders to, to get one usually isn't great value. But you're getting the number 33 pick, right? So it's literally the third most valuable second rounder. The odds that either the Utah 2026 second rounder or the Wolves 2028 second rounder are 
a better pick than that are pretty low. So unless they're both close, it's probably not terrible, right? Um, now, given the the player that the Wolves got, and we'll talk about him in a minute, if the Wolves are convinced that like, hey, this guy fell too far and it's great value to get him here, then that all kind of ends up a wash anyway, right? Because again, unless like, say the Utah second rounder in 2026 ends up being like, 36 and the Wolves second rounder in 28 ends up being like 45 or something. I'm just making up numbers. That's kind of a, that's close anyway, right? Unless they're both like early mid thirties picks, the value actually ends up not being too bad. Um, also, I should point out that coming into this draft, Tim Connolly in his what, 13 months or so on the job had was a plus two net in terms of second round picks because he sent out a bunch. He's acquired a bunch. Um, he's a net two. So going back to when he took the job last year, Tim Connolly last round draft night did all kinds of stuff with second rounders. Um, he trade, he got one when he, when they traded the rights to Bryce McGowan's to, um, Charlotte and they got Josh Minot plus a second rounder. They got another one when they traded the rights to Kendall Brown. Then they traded one out when they, um, did the Kessler deal and then they got Ty Ty Washington then they shipped him back out with a couple of picks to get Wendell Moore Jr. So last year on draft night he actually was minus a second round pick but then he acquired three he didn't trade any straight up second rounders in the Gobert trade they were all first and swaps and then of course there's some protections that could flip into second rounders later down the road but he was minus one until this year at the trade deadline the Wolves got Mike Conley Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and three second-round picks in exchange for D'Angelo Russell. And the only one that they traded away now is that 2026 second-rounder. So the Wolves actually have an extra second-round pick next year and an extra second-round pick the following year because of the D'Lo Mike Conley trade. So coming into this draft, Tim Connolly was a plus two in the second-round, I guess, ledger. Now he's still a plus one after trading... um, trading two out tonight and acquiring one. He's still a plus one in the in the second round pick ledger, if you will, which I, I don't know. Um, it's fun to talk about. It's it's important to track how Connolly is using these assets. And also, because remember, his track record in Denver, like obviously Nikola Jokic, Monty Morris, like he's had success in the second round as a president of basketball operations. Jared Vanderbilt was a Denver... Jared, we're going to talk about Jared Vanderbilt on today's show. Uh, tipping my hand here for my my comp um, uh, for the Wolves, for Leonard Miller, for the the pick the Wolves got at 33. Uh, but Jared Vanderbilt was a second-round pick as well uh, that was traded, acquired for on draft night by Tim Connolly when he was with Denver. So let's get into talk, talking about Leonard Miller. I want to talk about him as a prospect first, and then I'll get into my, my comp a little bit. Um, Leonard Miller played relatively... I don't know if low level is the right way to say it, but um, not super competitive high school basketball. Um, and then he played behind some guys at a, at a at a school that had some recruits. He got hurt. I think it was a wrist injury when he was um, playing AAU. And basically, he he didn't really play high level high school basketball at all. And it was like really when he started doing the draft process last year. Um, and then ended up pulling out of the draft, played in the G League, and had a rough start to the season in the G League too, but a really strong finish. In February, March in the G League, um, Letter Miller was just simply one of the best players in the G League. He's still only 19 years old. Um, he's six foot ten, seven foot two wingspan. Six foot ten, seven foot two wingspan, extremely fluid with the ball in his hands. If you go back, just watch some of his highlights in the G League. 
his handle for a man of that size, his passing ability, how comfortable he looks in the open floor is really impressive. And it's it's rare in somebody that's that large. He's also a pretty good rebounder. Um, and you would hope that he would be for that size. Uses his size, uh, has great activity on the defensive glass. Super fun to watch, kind of like ripping it and going. Just pushing the floor, pushing tempo, getting a rebound off the rim, and just getting down the floor. Um, that's one of the things he's really, really good at. In the half court, he's a limited offensive player in the sense that he, he basically doesn't have a jumper, or at least not one that you would trust. It's not repeatable. It's robotic. It's, um, I guess, rigid is a, is a word that comes to mind. Um, but he's really good around the rim. He's like 67% around the rim last year. I have the number here somewhere. It was basically 67% at the rim. He's got decent touch there. Um, I tend to think he's got a little bit of offensive upside, but because of his handle and his passing ability and his size and touch around the rim, like he doesn't need to have a jumper, right? Um, very comfortable in the dump, dunker spot, very comfortable as a cutter. And and I want to be clear when I say he doesn't need to have a jumper, he does if he wants to be a star, right? If he wants to realize his true potential and ceiling. But a player like this, his floor is, I think, and maybe not in year one, but I think his floor as a professional is very likely a rotational energy big, right? Like a Jared Vanderbilt. And we'll get into some of the eerie comparisons here in a minute. But that type of a player is, I think, his floor. And the high, the, the ceiling is much higher because he's so good at all those other skills, the the handle, the passing, et cetera. He's a good cutter. He's got really good feel, I think, on both ends of the floor. I also want to talk about his defense uh, because that's a key component here as well. And clearly something that Tim Connolly's emphasized as he fills out the rest of this roster uh, in both picks on Thursday night, I think, pointed to that um, pretty clearly. So let's talk about his Leonard Miller on the defensive end of the floor, and then also the comparison that I'm going to make to Jared Vanderbilt uh, between Leonard Miller and Jared Vanderbilt. So we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Bird Dogs. I started wearing Bird Dogs about a month ago, and they are the most comfortable shorts, bar none, hands down, that I've ever worn. They feel exactly like basketball shorts, athletic shorts, like you'd be lounging around the shorts, even lounge shorts, but they look like khakis. So they're perfectly acceptable to wear doing whatever you want to do. Like um, you could wear them on Saturdays, like I'll wake up, go grab donuts or whatever, wear them to the store, come home, lounge around the house, go back to the store, go hang out, you know, go to a friend's house, to a barbecue, whatever that it might be, wear the same pair of bird dogs to do all those things. And you're comfortable. You look great. Um, they're basically stretch khaki shorts. They're designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, and they give you a truly sculpted look. Go to birddogs.com slash NBA, and you can get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. You will get one if you go to birddogs.com slash NBA and order. I have one of those Yeti-style tumblers. It's fantastic. I use it almost every day of the week. Again, birddogs.com slash NBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I can promise you that. All right, a big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every day, as we are still daily throughout the month of uh, of June and July. Um, so we'll be back on Monday. And I want to break down this draft class, these these two Wolves draftees, in a couple of different ways next week. Uh, we also have uh, at least one crossover episode with hosts from another show next week as well. So a lot upcoming. So a big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. All right, so Leonard Miller... Um, Talked about his offense, right? Good passer, good handle, 
good feel, very comfortable in the dunker spot, could be a cutter, although you don't really want him spotting up outside the arc. On defense, I talked about his size and activity on the glass. He uses his size to his advantage guarding threes and fours defensively. I think he can guard most most fours at the NBA level. I think quicker threes could give him some issues and bigger fives could give him some issues, but there's certainly defensive versatility upside. If he continues to learn, because again, he's he played at the G League level last year, but before that, it was all low-level competition. He's a relatively athletic player, a really big player, um, and there's so much upside. And, and all the scouting reports that I read uh, from around the internet and the different quotes that I saw were, were related to, all, all had to do with how he is likely to improve because of his attitude, because of um, his willingness to learn. And again, he just hasn't had that much high-level coaching to this point. If he continues to lean into how, like his natural instincts, which appear to be really solid on both ends of the floor, and also his sheer size, I think he's got versatility defensively beyond just fours. I think it'll include more threes and some fives. I think you could play him at a small ball five at some point at the NBA level, but. Oftentimes, I th- or I think his best position is going to be as a limited four, almost like a Jared Vanderbilt offensively. But on defense, relatively switchable, really good at staying vertical and not picking up cheap fouls, which is something that a lot of Wolves players struggle with. Sloppy sometimes on closeouts. I think those are things that you get coached up into like, hey, man, just close out under control. You know, just give it a give it a decent contest and, and you know, don't don't give up blow buys. Right. Uh, there were some lapses defensively, certainly. But it it seems to be something that improved throughout the course of the season last year at the G League level for Leonard Miller. Um, I want to get to the Jared Vanderbilt comparison because I like as much as draft comps are a lot of times really cringy, this is actually, I think, a really good comparison. Uh Leonard Miller's six foot ten with a seven two wingspan and a standing reach of um I had it somewhere. His standing reach is uh what was it? I swear I had it right in front of me. Nine feet. Okay. Six foot ten, seven two wingspan, nine foot standing reach. Jared Vanderbilt, six foot nine, seven one wingspan. And it was like I think he had an eight ten standing reach. So Miller's an inch taller, has an inch longer wingspan, and a two inch taller standing reach. Very similar sizes. They each were one and done, quote unquote. Miller in the G League. Vando uh kind of a, a third of a season at Kentucky because of injuries. Um their profile, everything I just said about Leonard Miller, you basically could copy and paste to what somebody would have said about Jared Vanderbilt in 2018 when he was drafted. Um, or I could, what I would probably say about him now, obviously some things have developed. Vando's put on a lot of strength. Uh, Bill, you know, his build is much greater. Uh, he's more muscular than he was when he was drafted. That And that needs to be true still for Leonard Miller. He needs to improve there too. But in terms of the player profile, a lot of similarities. I would say Leonard Miller has better offensive upside or higher offensive upside, I should say, because he's got better touch around the rim. Um, he appears to have better hands. I, I couldn't get a great read on that. I, in fact, I want to this weekend, I'm going to go back and try and watch a couple of full Leonard Miller games um, and just kind of get a better sense for, I think, I think the feel is good, but like, how is he catching the ball? Does it look natural? That was something Vandu always struggled with. Um, so I think the offensive upside is greater. I do think he's got some real touch and there is some potential for developing a jumper. I know Vando's teased everybody and, and last year for stretches in Utah, he was hitting corner threes. He did it briefly the year before in Minnesota, but I just think he's better around the rim too. He just seems more natural where he's a little bit worse than Vanderbilt is defensive rebounding. Um, 
and also consistency and strength on the defensive end of the floor. However, this is kind of crazy. So sample sizes are, are vastly different. Jared Vanderbilt only played 238 minutes in college, 14 games at Kentucky. Leonard Miller played 24 games in the G League, which is 733 minutes. But their defensive rebound rate was exactly the same. 27.9% defensive rebound rate in uh, 700 plus minutes in the G League for Leonard Miller and Jared Vanderbilt, uh, about 200, a little less than 250 minutes, 27.9% defensive rebound rate. That's eerie. Different sample sizes, different competition. It's just, I, I thought that was so crazy. I had to point it out, but it's in the same neighborhood. Uh, in general, like obviously that's the same number. Total rebound rate, Miller 19.8% in the G League. Vanderbilt was 27.9, excuse me, 25.7% total rebound rate. But some of the other numbers are pretty similar too. Steal rates, 1.5% for Miller, 1.4% for Jared Vanderbilt. Vando had a higher block rate um, and uh, uh, Miller had a higher assist rate and lower turnover rate. Um, I, I think Vando actually just ran... Like he ran a lot of breaks at Kentucky. I, Leonard Miller did some of that, but he wasn't dishing in the half in fast break situations. He was taking guys to the rack in transition and dunking. And then in the half court is when he ended up facilitating a little bit more. But all that to say, the profiles of Vanderbilt and Miller are very similar. I think they're really, really similar players. And the Timberwolves bet is, hey, worst case scenario. And remember, it took Vanderbilt a couple of seasons, right? I mean, Vando was... Um, like he spent what two seasons in uh in Denver bouncing back and forth between the NBA and the G League. He well during the second season he was traded to Minnesota. So over his first two seasons in the league, Jared Vanderbilt played in 28 games. He started to see some rotation minutes in the COVID shorted 2021 season, but it was the 21-22 season when he became kind of he became the V8 that Wolves fans grew to know and love. And then now, of course, everybody knows him nationally because he dominated uh, dominated is a strong word. Played extremely well with the Lakers this year down the stretch, and was really invaluable to their conference finals run. Um, it took a minute for a 19-year-old one-and-done player who struggled with injuries to, like, really get his legs under it. I mean, Leonard Miller is not going to likely be a rotation guy this year. I don't think he makes an impact this year at the NBA level. But if he follows the current trajectory of Jared Vanderbilt, you know, two years down the road, you're talking about a rotation guy, maybe even a starter. And that's the floor. I think his floor is a Jared Vanderbilt-esque player, maybe not quite as good of a rebounder, maybe a little more versatility offensively, a little more natural skill set offensively. But the ceiling is greater because of that touch, because of um, the, 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 the I think at this point, how relatively inexperienced he is and how much he improved over the course of last season, his first year as a pro basketball player with pro-level coaching, how much he improved from the beginning of the G League season to, to March. Um, so the ceiling is absolutely there to be a, I think he's got star caliber ceiling. Um, Sam Vecini at the athletic had him as his 13th player on his entire big board in the entire draft. There were other, other analysts that had him as a top 20. A lot of people had him as a first round pick. And, um, Vecini talks a little bit about how, um, well, basically what I said that he improved over the course of the season, he talked about his, um, he says overall, this is a direct quote from Vecini, Sam Vecini at the athletic, Overall, Miller was actually the most productive G League Ignite draft eligible player we've seen. He averaged 17 points and 10 rebounds over the course of the full season. In 14 games from February 8th onward, he averaged 20 points and 13 rebounds with a steal and a block per game. 55.6% from the field, 37% from three. 
37% from three to close the season last year and 82% from the line. So I go back to what I said earlier. The shot looks ugly. It didn't go in enough if you take the full body of work last year. But the touch around the rim, the way he closed the season, and also the free throw shooting is all very positive, right? That 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 all kind of portends the fact that he could improve. In fact, for the season last year, 79.2% from the free throw line. And again, like for the season, 55.6% from the field. And he closed the year shooting the ball well outside the arc. So there is certainly his upside there. But Tim Connolly is a second-round wizard for for what he did in Denver. And by the way, Tim Connolly, again, I said this at the top of the show, he acquired Jared Vanderbilt on draft night when he was a member of the Denver Nuggets front office. Of course, he also traded him to Minnesota, and then he traded him away when he was in Minnesota to Utah. Uh, but now Tim Connolly has acquired Leonard Miller, and there are a lot of similarities between Miller and Jared Vanderbilt, and that's the sort of player I think the Wolves are getting um, w- with this election. All right, I want to close by talking about uh, Jalen Clark, who I talked quite a bit about earlier this week, actually. So I'm going to try to not regurgitate too much of what I said before, but build a little bit of, again, former and current Wolf comps, because I think that's relevant to this podcast, and I think they're fairly accurate, if I do say so myself. So we'll do that. Um, and talk a little more about him. And then, of course, there'll be plenty more talk about Clark Miller, the Wolves roster, where it stands and everything next week as well. Uh, So we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors over at Game Time. If buying tickets to your favorite events is stressful, well, it shouldn't be. You should be using Game Time. I am very guilty of waiting to the last minute far too often when it comes to buying tickets to really anything, um, I, certainly sports, baseball games right now, uh, concerts, comedy shows, etc. cetera. Uh, but Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price Price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag your tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's episode is also brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks. If you're not familiar with Prize Picks, First of all, get familiar. It's very easy to play. Um, like, for instance, in baseball right now, uh, Byron Buxton hit two mammoth home runs for the Twins. If you're a baseball fan on uh, whatever day that was, Wednesday, Thursday afternoon, uh, I might take Byron Buxton over on home runs on Friday because when he gets on a heater, he's on a heater. If you're not familiar with how prize picks works, it's really easy. You just pick two to six players depending on whatever sport you're playing and if they'll score more or less than their prize picks projection. And you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Also, you're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport you watch. Of course, it includes the NBA when they're in season. Also, NFL when in season. But right now, baseball, golf, uh, college sports, you name it, it's there at prize picks. And you can make your entries in less than 60 seconds. Download the prize picks app. Or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, 
Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, uh, let's talk about Jalen Clark. So the Timberwolves had the 53rd pick coming into the draft. On Tuesday, I ran through, I think it was on Monday, I talked about philosophy for the second round. Uh, the high points there are teams either look for a high upside guy. Uh, or, or somebody who has one incredible NBA-ready skill and the other stuff needs work, or a well-rounded player who has a pretty high floor uh, and can contribute basically right away. On Tuesday, I talked about three wings that I liked for the Wolves to, to target, and then I added three more players on Wednesday as, as guys I would consider at 53 who I thought had a shot at being available, and then I ranked them on Thursday's show. Number one, so if you want to go back and listen, Tuesday, the first segment on Tuesday's show was all about Jalen Clark from UCLA. And then Thursday, I ranked him first on players I would target at 53 if I were the Wolves. That's who the Timberwolves drafted on Thursday. Jalen Clark is a fantastic fit for the Wolves. And he's, a, I think, a steal at number 53. He's arguably the best perimeter defender, point of attack defender in the entire draft. Um, he's six foot five, six foot, uh, six foot nine wingspan. I think, well, let's put it this way. I think he's, like I said, one of the best point of attack defenders, if not the best in the draft. I think he's got an outstanding nose for the ball, both off and on ball. So point of attack defense, solid, uh, very, very difficult to get past him. But off the ball, he doesn't let anybody free. He can sniff out, you know, uh, he can sniff out staggered screens. He can sniff out whatever play you're running. He can get through it, get through the mess. And more often than not, it feels like he's tipping the pass away and going the other way to initiate a fast break, or he's just recovering in time to not allow either a catch or a catch and a clean shot. Um, it's a skill, frankly, like the the ability to sniff these things out, the the want to, to fight through several screens, to, to stay attached at the hip to somebody, and then the ability to also contest, the link to contest, uh, Really, really impressive. His defensive IQ, like, I, I don't know what else to say other than it's just phenomenal. If you just watch any length of time, any length of clips of him on the floor with UCLA, UCLA last year, he knew where he needed to be at all times. He's also a really good rebounder for his size. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, I, like, I don't think he's got a weakness defensively other than he's maybe a little undersized. Uh, like, he's undersized to play the, the three at the NBA level, uh, but he's a good enough defender with enough length that you could probably get away with it, and he's certainly switchable. But he's going to play the two, and he can guard all ones and twos. He'll lock them down. I don't care who it is. He's locking them down at the NBA level. He can guard many threes, too, especially because of his length, and again, with how hard he plays. There's no downside to him defensively. Um, just a really, really impressive defensive player. On offense... He's a good cutter. Um, I, he's got a floater. He's got, again, a little bit, in this sense, a little bit similar to Leonard Miller in that he's got some touch. Like, there's some signs that Jalen Clark knows what he's doing at the basketball in his hand at trying to score. Um, the shot itself just doesn't have really positive results. He shot 33% from three last year, which was an improvement on 26% the year before that and 20% in pretty limited minutes as a, as a freshman at UCLA. Um, but... Again, the touch on the floater is impressive. He's only 66% career free throw shooter in college, which isn't great. Um, so I'm a little bit dubious on whether or not he can develop a true offensive game. I think there's some similarities in that regard to Josh Akogi, although I will say Akogi had better shooting numbers in college. And I mean, he was a 78% free throw shooter in college. Josh Akogi, this is, I had forgotten this. He was 38% 
at Georgia Tech uh, outside the arc over two seasons. Like, he could shoot the ball in college. Jalen Clark's shooting numbers are not as good as Josh Kogi's were. Now, Kogi was a first-round pick, right? And and I think I mean like, that was part of it is there seemed to be some offensive projection that obviously never happened. I mean, he averaged eight, Josh Kogi averaged 18 points a game, shot 38% from outside the arc at Georgia Tech, which is so crazy to think about given his offensive limitations at the NBA level, putting that kindly. Um, but defensively, Jalen Clark has a lot of rate-based numbers that are more impressive than what a Kogi's were. Um, Jalen Clark, 16% defensive rebound rate in three years of college. Josh Kogi, only 13% defensive rebound rate. I'm rounding down from 13.3 and from 16.3. Um, so, you know, 16 versus 13% defensive rebound rate. Total rebound rate, Jalen Clark, 12.7%. Josh Kogi, only 10% in college. Um, I should point out, Okogie's maybe an inch shorter, but he's also got, I think his wingspan's about 6'9 as well. It's, it, they're very, very similarly sized. And I would say Okogie's a better athlete. Jalen Clark's a fairly average athlete, uh, maybe maybe a little better than compared obviously to NBA prospects, right? Maybe a little bit above average, but I'd say Okogie's even a better athlete. But Jalen Clark has such a nose for the ball. His defensive rebound rate and overall rebound rate is much better than Josh Okogie's. Okogie had a, a better assist rate um, steal rate as well. Um, but I'm sorry, I flipped those around actually. Okogi did have a better assist rate. Jalen Clark had a much better steal rate. Jalen Clark in college this last year had a 5.1% steal rate, 4% for his career. Josh Kogi was only 2.6% steal rate at Georgia Tech for his career. So Jalen Clark, better rebound rates, better steal rate. The defensive metrics are all better. The offensive is, metrics are actually worse than Josh Okogi's. So Take that how you will. Um, obviously, Kogi was pretty limiting offensively as a Timberwolves player. Phoenix found some ways around it this last year. Um, but the way I like to describe Jalen Clark is a smaller, less athletic, but more polished version of Josh Minot. And obviously, Josh Minot is more of a 3-4 than a 2-3, right? Josh Minot ideally is playing the 3 at the NBA level, can play some small ball 4. Jalen Clark ideally plays the 2, could play some small 3 um, at the NBA level. So a different position. Uh, less athletic, but more polished than Josh Minot. Uh, those are the types of guys that Tim Connolly and this front office are looking for. They're, which is, I realize, fairly ironic, given that they traded away Jared Vanderbilt to Patrick Beverly, but it's the do stuff guys, right? The guys with good assist rates, good block rates. I'm generalizing here, but nose for the ball um, are going to get you those 50 50 balls, are going to grab rebounds at both ends of the floor, have some guys that are stronger on the defensive glass, some guys that are stronger on the offensive glass. It's, again, ironic because of who they traded away last summer and what they struggled at so much this year. The Wolves were miserable when it came to 50-50 balls. They were a terrible defensive rebounding team. They were bad in transition, offensively and defensively. But now there's a pattern of these guys, uh, Jalen Clark, and I would say Leonard Miller fit this bill, Josh Minot, Wendell Moore Jr. is maybe not quite in the same mold. But these are all now, Minot, Miller, Clark are all second-round picks, relatively similar profiles, you know, different players, but similar profiles in, in this kind of do stuff category. They're cheap contracts, relatively speaking, that are, that are, you know, they're able to manipulate these contracts more so than a guaranteed first round pick. Vanderbilt was, you know, I guess he'd already been resigned. Uh, Beverly was going to be a free agent after this year anyway. Like 
the Wolves kind of are resetting these clocks by getting a bunch of these second round guys. If one or two work out, maybe one becomes a star like what Tim Connolly's done before. But more likely than not, they're rotation guys that you can plug in and say you trade Torian Prince midseason, but like, hey, Wendell Moore is ready to step in or Josh Minot's ready to step in or, um, you know, say you aren't able to bring back the kill Alexander Walker. Well, that's okay because we have these other guys we drafted and they're only going to cost X. Um, this is cost certainty for us as we as we kind of skirt, try to skirt the the, the second salary cap apron, tax apron, um, and, or I should say salary cap apron and avoid going into the luxury tax. So um, there's a lot more there to unpack, but that's the direction that Tim Connolly's going. Is he's trying to find these guys to fill out the roster who are plug and play and bring that level of activity that frankly, some of the, the current top of the rotation guys don't bring. And you need those those intangible type guys, those do stuff guys uh, with the steal rates, the block rates, the rebound rates that are going to help you in those areas. Your superstars can take care of everything else. Um, but if these guys are good defenders and can get you some loose balls, like leave the rest to Anton Cat. That's that's what I believe the formula is here. Next week, I do want to like look at the roster currently, kind of reset this thing. Like who's going to get minutes based on where we currently sit? Free agency starts here in a week. Um, what's the deal with kind of revisiting Nikki Alexander Walker's situation, Nas Reed's situation, et cetera. Um, we'll do all that next week. And like I said earlier, we will have at least one crossover episode with a host, uh, one or two hosts of another team to discuss a couple of different things. So a big week upcoming, lots to talk about exciting NBA free agency, a really fun time of year. So a big thank you to everydayers, to those of you that do make this show your first listen every day. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, this show, of course, is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch, if you haven't downloaded it already, if, and you have a Roku or an Amazon Fire TV, just download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. You can watch this show and all the other Minnesota Lockdown shows there. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C-K. Ian. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.